Welcome to Public Health On Call, a new podcast from the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Our focus is the novel coronavirus. I'm Josh Sharfstein, a faculty member at Johns Hopkins and also a former secretary of Maryland's Health Department. Our goal with this podcast is to bring evidence and experts to help you understand today's news about the novel coronavirus and what it means for tomorrow. If you have questions, you can email them to publichealthquestion at jhu.edu. That's publichealthquestion at jhu.edu for future podcast episodes. Today, Stephanie Desmond talks with Johns Hopkins clinical psychologist Laura Murray, who takes listener questions on mental health. Today's podcast is also available as a video on the School of Public Health's YouTube channel. Let's listen. Laura Murray, thanks so much for joining me. Great to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. So uh, I'd like to start out with you just telling us a little bit about your background. Sure. Uh, I'm a clinical psychologist by training, a senior scientist at the Johns Hopkins School of Public Health, and have worked with trauma most of my life. Started in New York and Manhattan after 9-11 and have been doing work both domestically and in quite a number of low and middle income countries. So you really have a good uh, grounding for what we're experiencing right now. I'm not sure anyone was prepared for this, but I do have some background in sort of dealing with uh, trauma and stressors for sure. So we've gotten a bunch of listener questions and I just wanted to sort of launch into a few of them. You know, I think we're sort of stuck in a way we're reading up on all about COVID-19 so that we can keep informed, but at the same time, there's such an overwhelming amount to learn and some of it's scary. Sort of how do you recommend that people strike a balance between staying informed and then, or just being overloaded by the news? Such an important question for our mental health. And I do think this is one of the biggest things that we try to help people manage during a disaster or, or a trauma. We give very specific techniques, sort of tricks and tools to help manage that. We try to say, stay informed, but don't overload yourself, as you mentioned. That usually looks like about 10 or 15 minutes in the morning, and then 10 or 15 minutes later in the day. I know that sounds extremely short to all yes, of us. Me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that is usually enough, particularly if you have a specific go-to spot that's really a place where you get your information. So we don't want it to be 10 or 15 minutes of sort of searching around social media and to a number of different sources to make sure you're up to date with what you need to know and then really turning it, turning it off the rest of the time. We do know that the higher minutes of media that we expose ourselves to, usually the higher level of stress and fear and worry. Now, I will put a clause to that. I think a lot of us are also reading social media that's very positive about all the amazing things people are doing. And I think that might function a little bit differently. But as far as all that COVID news and sort of updates, you really want to limit yourself. So everything in moderation. <laughs> Once again, right? Easier said than done. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we're reading in the news a lot more the news again, right, about how the country is going to sort of start opening up in pockets. And it feels like that's like leads us to a whole new set of decisions that we're going to have to make. And maybe a new set of anxieties, sort of those loved ones who may not be taking things as seriously as we want them to. So I guess the question we have here is, how can I convince my family and friends to follow social distancing guidelines and or stay at home? I think it's more about the anxiety of getting them. 
to do those things. Yeah. Wow. Um, I have three different personal situations that just popped into my head where I'm experiencing that with different people. I think the first thing to realize is that a lot of us are sitting in that position. So for your own anxiety, reach out to other people. Make sure that that your framework really is coming from a place of this is really normal. A lot of people are struggling with this. And we're all sort of at different points of what people are recommending and accessing those in different ways. So I think one of the biggest things that I would suggest in situations like that is really using our active listening skills and respect. So coming to conversations saying, how does this compare to other times in your life? What is your perspective? What are you hearing? And really being open to that rather than just taking it in, just looking for a way I can argue that best back. Um, I know, for example, with, with my parents who are of a different generation, just really understanding that they have such a different framework, for example, having been through the Great Depression or sort of what they think about these things. Uh, different perspective on life. So really understanding that. Another thing that that we have found to be very useful is just going back to communication skills of using eyes instead of use. And that may sound a little oversimplified, but I know I've come to conversations with my parents just essentially saying, you shouldn't do this. Are you crazy? Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> and that that's really not setting up us setting up for a good place. So switching those to eyes and just letting them know, for example, I'm really concerned or I have concerns about this, or this is what makes me fearful. Not really with the outcome of maybe trying to get anyone to change behavior, because that's really not something we can do. Making sure they know that it comes from a good place. I'm not trying to tell you what to do, but I'm concerned for your health and, and safety. And this is the way I'm hearing it. The last thing I would say is that I know one of the sentiments right now is that people are getting different information from different places and people are very confused about what they listen to. And that's, that's leading to differences in how we respond to it. And so those might also be good questions. Where are you getting your information sources? I'm finding that a lot of people are getting 100% of their information sources from social media. And, and that can become problematic um, if that information isn't necessarily accurate. And, and another question we have here about loved ones is that I think that there's a lot of anxiety about the health of our loved ones, worrying that they're going to get sick or if they're already sick. And the question is, how can I help them if I can't be near them? Yeah. Which again, is just so normal. And unfortunately, what so many of us are going through. One of the things that we would recommend that might be helpful is trying to write down your specific worries. So are you specifically worried because they have a pre-existing condition? Are you worried because their behaviors are not something that you would recommend doing? Are you worried because they're already ill and you're not sure sort of, should they be going to the hospital? Who should they be calling, et cetera? And that will usually help guide us to more productive behaviors rather than what often happens when we worry about loved ones with health, we start spinning right? Our head starts going in a million different directions. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. And that's a little harder for us to manage. And then going back to just that communication of how can I help you? Is it more helpful to deliver healthy food or plan calls at certain times or reach out to your doctor myself to, to support you? I think the other side of your question, Stephanie, really is though, we are having to manage our own anxiety and fear about things that we have very little control over. 
And that's really what I find a lot of us are, are grappling with. And that's, that leads back to sort of being aware of that, being okay with that. Anytime you can write things down and sort of how fearful am I? How much can I control this? What can I control? Going through different activities like that may help. Of course, it's also that frustration that we can't do more. Oh, yes, it's, it's awful. One of my friends and colleagues, Dr. Kirsten Conan, who's at Harvard, just wrote an article because she had two family members die and she was not able to be there. And it's a, it's a beautiful article, but it really does talk about how frustrating it is when we can't be there to support what people are going through. And that really is our own grief. We have a huge loss and grief of not being able to support others. Something um, also we've gotten a lot of questions about are personal relationships. So um, some people are sort of trapped at home with people they may not be getting along with and they can't, there's really nowhere to go. So what kind of advice uh, might you have in those situations? Yeah, those situations are tricky too because I, I think they run the gamut of examples, right? From just more fights because we're around each other all the time. People are sort of stressed. In those types of situations, one of the things is really just to bring back communication. Maybe a time where everyone spends five minutes in a day just making making sure that everyone's okay, checking in, and having safety in honest statements. I'm really feeling frustrated with this. And having that be a culture, a new culture within the family as families spend a lot of time together. When I say those examples run a gamut, we are seeing, sadly, an increase in violence and other things with, with families living with each other that are not healthy at all. And that can be really dangerous. And for those types of situations, you should be reaching out to resource centers and hotlines and uh, mental health professionals that can come help with safety planning, even if you can't escape that particular environment immediately. I guess I'm sort of wondering if there'll be more divorces coming after this. I have certainly seen reports that there are going to be an increase in divorces. Yeah. You know, one of the interesting things we've been working with people also to think more about scheduling and just space, space and time a little bit differently. We're not used to doing that, but I think sometimes when you're all living in the same place, there might need to be added structure with who's around right now and can everyone go to one side so that we can each as individuals have our own space and be okay with that and so that might be something to think about is just structuring in time where people still get their alone time and they do feel like they have space i'll say that my introverted 16 year old definitely enjoys having his room so that he can retreat there i think in many ways this is his idea of of a great time to be trapped at home and only be able to talk to who he wants to. But at the same time, I know that we have to respect that, that he needs his alone time. Yeah, his space. And, and if you can give safety within that, within homes, that's great. Yeah, yeah. And I guess not everybody has those options, which is unfortunate. Unfortunate, yes. Yeah. So uh, we also had a question here about sort of is accepting this as the new normal. You know, we keep hearing this phrase, the new normal. So the question is sort of, should we be prepared to live like this until there's a vaccine? You know, what might resilience look like in these crazy times? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I was just on the phone with someone and we were talking about how 
one of the best things to do is to also make sure that at certain times we stay in the moment. And that's something that I've really been working on because I think when we do think about the future and extending out, that can be problematic. That'll get our mind racing of what ifs, what am I going to miss? What about this? What if I can't plan this? And so not that you can't do that, but either do it in short time pieces or make sure that you also have time where you're real focused on just in the present. What is What do I want to be working on right now in this hour or even in this day? I think your, Steph- your question, Stephanie, though, about resiliency is huge. Uh, what we there's a huge literature on resiliency, and we know that people that are resilient are very self-aware, aware of their own emotional reactions and the behaviors around them. They can usually maintain control, and in that, be able to think of how to tackle different problems and just different creativity. Um, resilient folks also tend to practice acceptance, not necessarily giving up, but really leaning in and accepting aspects of the truth rather than rather than denying it. I think with the new normal, it's really important to start thinking about developing new toolboxes or self-care and maybe going outside of our comfort zones a little bit, things that maybe we wouldn't have had to do before or even thought about or ideas that seem a little kooky to us and see if different things work for us because this is really an unprecedented time. What, what's kooky? What kind of kooky things are we talking about? <laughs> well, just about everything in my field is usually um, heard as, well, that seems sort of stupid. I mean, even just something simple like a schedule, mm-hmm. a lot of people do not like that. They don't know how to do that. It doesn't feel comfortable. I think meditation and mindfulness is often seen by people as like, you know, or write down 10 things that you're grateful for each day. There's a ton of different activities that we tend to suggest depending on, on challenges going on in different people's lives. And they're sort of warm and fuzzy and kooky sometimes. And yet you hear the other side of it once you do it and different ones can really, really help people. I know that what keeps me sane, although today happens to be pouring down rain. I I like to go outside for a long walk at least once a day. That's what keeps me sane personally. But, and I know other people, I know my daughter, my 13 year old is making a very elaborate schedule um, and that's working for her. So I can see to my own home, how things are different depending on. And that really is the key, right? Knowing yourself well enough to know this is what works for me. And that definitely doesn't work for me. Right. Um, and then really making sure you've got quite a few because there's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days and you might need a lot more on one day. Yeah. I've heard this actually from my friends. Everyone, every periodically we say things like, okay, we're done. Like we don't want to be doing this anymore. (laughs) And you know, today I'm done. And it's not as if we have a choice. Is that useful in some way to say that to yourself? Oh, I think that's very useful. I, especially if you can give it some pause and not, I've of course, I've been on the phone call with friends, just like, this is, I'm over this. Right. Um, but I think if you can give it some pause and really recognize that that is a time of the day or a particular day, for example, Fridays often, we're just tired. We need a break. And what does that look like? Sure, it doesn't look like easing up on, you know, all social distancing, et cetera, but it can look like other things. I need to absolutely put my computer away for a full day, for example. 
or, you know, today I need two or three walks, or I need to really get into a different book that's so different that I can become engrossed in or something. So I think it's a real sign to cue into. I think the challenge is a lot of us are getting these signs, but we're not paying attention to them. We're sort of continuing on as usual. Well, I think that's sort of the American way, maybe to just push through, right? The only way, the only way over is through. And so that's, um, I think maybe there's a lot of that and people not accepting that this is a challenging time mentally. Absolutely. Mentally, emotionally, every, every which way for sure. Mm -hmm. What, um, and we, this is our last question, I guess, sort of overall, what, what's sort of the biggest question you're hearing? Oh, that is a tough question. Um, I would say the biggest question we're hearing overall is something to do with just how do you manage stress, fear, and anxiety? And then the situation sort of fold after that. Uh, but just really managing those strong emotions that come and go. And I guess understanding that it's okay, right? I mean, yeah, that it's okay. And sort of how do I manage it? And how do I know when it's not okay anymore? When I really pushed past the point of something that I might be able to deal with versus something that I need a few more tools in my toolbox for. Well, Laura Murray, this has been extremely helpful and I hope we'll be able to bring you back again to ask you some more questions in the future. I would love that. Thanks so much, Stephanie. Thank you for listening to Public Health On Call, a new podcast from the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Please send questions to be covered in future podcasts to publichealthquestion at jhu.edu. This podcast is produced by Josh Sharfstein, Lindsay Smith-Rogers, and Lamare Morales. Audio production by Niall Owen-McCusker and Spencer Greer, with support from Chip Hickey. Distribution by Nick Moran. Thank you for listening.